This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. Outer Blue by Amundi. Welcome to Blue Research. Knowledge sharing on financial research. Welcome to this Amundi podcast. I'm Swaha Patanaik, Head of Publishing and Digital Strategy. Today's topic is a hot one in financial markets. We'll be discussing what's going on with bonds and whether they're becoming more attractive now that yields have risen quite so much. Joining me to tackle this subject are Vincent Mortier, Group Chief Investment Officer, and Monica Defend, Head of the Amundi Institute. Monica, great to have you back on the podcast. Thank you, Swaha. And Vincent, welcome. Thank you very much. Hello to everyone. Great. Well, bonds are supposed to be the really staid segment of financial markets, yet we've seen huge gyrations, even in developed market debt, which is usually the safest and most liquid bit of fixed income. A rise in bond yields is perfectly normal when central banks are raising interest rates, but the scale of recent moves has been jaw-dropping, I think. Monica, why exactly have there been such big swings? Thank you, Swaha. Well, we have a list of things that uh, happened. First of all, the mix between inflation and growth that continues to deteriorate with uh, inflation uh, staying higher and and growth uh, slowing down. And this is creating a concern amid investors uh, to understand to which extent growth is going to uh, decelerate and to which extent central banks are committed uh, to, to fight inflation. Uh, as such, there is this uncertainty on terminal rates uh, that is creating uh, a lot of noise into the market and therefore uh, the swings and volatility that we are seeing. Last but not least, what happened in the UK with a, a policy mix that is not really uh, playing uh, on, on the same keyboard uh, with the fiscal uh, policy that is getting or pretended to be loser and the uh, monetary policy that on the other side was uh, uh, pointing to, to tightening. So all these elements, uh, I would say, have been contributing to the strings we have seen. Great. That definitely explains why it's been such a rough ride. Uh, But Vincent, turning to you, you think that in some ways it's darkest before dawn and um, expect to see perhaps some renewed interest in bonds. Why is that? Yes, sure. Uh, What you have seen in the marketplace has been uh, quite unique in terms of speed of repricing. Uh, Real rates uh, actually moved up uh, 200 basis points uh, roughly uh, across the globe. That's a lot. Volatility has been much higher on bonds than on equities. And the bond market has uh, indeed uh, repriced uh, very quickly the new reality and the inflationary pressures. And now, as Monica mentioned, the UK is a good example of what could come next. So meaning uh, some uh, fiscal spending to uh, make, to compensate in a way um, the, the, the concern on growth. And therefore, central banks will, which will probably try to be a little bit more accommodative than what the market is, uh, is pricing today. And therefore, we believe that the bulk of the repricing has already happened on the bond market, on the Govis market, so government bonds, in particular US and Europe, uh, UK to be seen, and Japan as well, to be fair. And so in this context, uh, value has been restored because you've got finally uh, real yields which are 
close to zero euh, en le medium long term perspective or even positive in the US and we don't believe that uh, the real economy can afford much higher rates so therefore central banks you know they, one of their objectives is to ensure uh, financial stability so they will probably make sure that the yield curve is under control And, and so the current levels of bonds for us uh, are uh, interesting entry points. I see. That's uh, that's really interesting. One thing that both of you keep mentioning um, is the UK. Now, the carnage in UK gilts that was seen after the British government unveiled large unfunded tax cuts was interesting sort of from a wider perspective, not just the UK. I think that episode suggested to some that so-called bond vigilantes are maybe regaining their power after being dormant for a good few years. Vincent, Monica, uh, are there countries or segments about which you're more cautious, given such heightened investor sensitivity to fiscal policy debt levels? Monica, maybe I could turn to you first. Yeah, sure. I think that actually what happened in the UK uh, was uh, simply unexpected. And I would uh, I would really think it's kind of an isolated case. Or uh, no one, uh, given that we have seen what can happen, I believe that authorities will be very, very careful in handling uh, the the policy mix. Having said that, over time, uh, it is true that debt is has been continued to to grow. But even in the emerging market, we've seen how authorities uh, have been paying attention in, in order uh, to uh, to maintain the, the situation under control. So. With the with a few exception, uh, I would say uh, that um, really in terms of uh, uh, fiscal dominance, debt sustainability, the situation is uh, fairly under control. I don't know if Vincent uh, would like yeah, to add something. I, I think the UK is a, is a very very interesting example because uh, in a few days we had a sequence which normally is happening in several quarters. So we had gilts um, that went up to five percent. Then Bank of England intervene, so going back to 3.6. You can imagine the intraday volatility. And the message is, um, is multiple. So meaning first, uh, markets have understood that central banks at one moment in time can intervene to stabilize. And therefore, there is a kind of backstop which has reassured. And that's, that, that's why uh, markets behaved uh, constructively, let's say, um, after the intervention of Bank of England. Secondly, it's a wake-up call as well for governments, so they cannot do anything. I mean, they, 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 uh, they need to behave uh, and to explain what they will do uh, and to follow some mass, meaning uh, they cannot spend without any limits. And the fact that the currency, the pound, weakened a lot while the rates were going to the roof is also a good indication about the skepticism of the market and the concern uh, that it will raise to the Bank of England. So in a way, it has been a dramatic experience for the UK, for LDI uh, systems in the UK, for some market participants. At the same time, it's a wake-up call, for sure, for the financial stability, somehow reassuring in the way that central bankers are aware about their responsibility and are here also to step in. Uh, when uh, we are on the, on the, on the verge of uh, what they call a Lehman moment uh, between brackets. 
I like the way you managed to find a silver lining amidst all of that dramatic turmoil in the UK. Um, so there, there have been a lot of missteps, particularly in the UK, but which countries or segments do you feel more positive about, perhaps? Vincent, uh, let, let me stay with you. Well, I mean, uh, you know, there has been comments uh, which were uh, interesting uh, um, for the UK saying, uh, oh my God, the UK is becoming or has become an emerging market. Um, it's an interesting uh, parallel because at the same time, some emerging markets are becoming very orthodox, disciplined. They have big surpluses, big foreign exchange reserves. And therefore, some emerging markets are becoming finally in a way developed markets, at least on a financial standpoint. In parallel, some developed markets are more and more becoming stretched, to say the least. So high public spending, high deficits, high level of debt, and a control of, on their finances, which is more and more questionable. So therefore, we have a kind of shift uh, between uh, blocks or between regions. And I think it's a very important phenomenon to be aware of when you're an investor. So today... We are much more positive on some emerging economies, so in Latin America, whatever the outcome of the election in Brazil, Brazil is in good shape, actually, economically. In Asia, China, of course, is an elephant in the room, but there are other countries which are in good shape. So Malaysia is a good, is a good example, Indonesia, India, to a certain extent, is not bad. Um, Africa is more... Uh, challenging in a way, but we can also find some decent situation. South Africa used to be very problematic. It's much better now. Um, Eastern Europe, it depends. I mean, I've been to the Czech Republic uh, not that long ago. I can tell you that locally they are taking huge and um, courageous and smart measures to uh, fight back against inflation and to support the growth in a, in a, in a good way. So, uh, for example, the uh, Czech Republic uh, is, a, is, is, a, is, a good, uh, is a good example of a country which, uh, which, will, which will fetch uh, probably good in the future. So you can find some uh, decent investment cases. Uh, US still is the ultimate safe haven, whatever you may think about twin deficits, etc. So, I mean, in any kind of allocation, you need to have an allocation to U.S. treasuries for multiple reasons. But at the end of the day, if you have turmoils, U.S. treasuries will be bought, be sure. So it's also uh, a way to hedge or to protect yourself. And yields are very decent, actually. Um, and in Europe as well, I mean, at current levels, we can find also some value uh, here or there. So, I mean... Uh, The, the question marks are, uh, are more on some emerging countries, on the UK, for sure. Japan, to be seen uh, in March next year, what will be the new policy of the central banks with a new governor. But so more and more, uh, you need to have a very specific uh, idiosyncratic approach, uh, country by country. But be aware about this shift of uh, uh, equilibrium and the shift of uh, financial soundness between uh, countries, which is something for me uh, very important to, to keep in mind. Exactly, Evans, and you made rightly the point on emerging market interest link. If you compare the situation today versus one year ago, under several metrics uh, refer to uh, vulnerability, fragility, uh, external um, stance of these countries, the situation is almost is stable. 
with few exceptions, I think about, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, Russia, but for idiosyncratic uh, uh, reasons, maybe uh, on the on the bond market emerging, uh, we would rather stay on hard currency. So uh, on the emerging effects, we are a little bit more uh, cautious, I would say. Great. Thank you very much. That was a very sort of exhaustive list. So that was touching more on the government bond side of things, Vincent and Monica. Vincent, let me ask you, what about credit? Well, I mean, on the credit space, uh, we we are also constructive on investment grade credit at large, uh, US, Europe, because balance sheet of corporates on this investment grade space has been uh, pretty healthy. Uh, and uh, as our scenario is for a, a mild recession, not a very deep and long-lasting recession, uh, we believe these companies will uh, will will fetch okay during. Uh, the next period, we are a little bit more cautious on high yield, where we believe the market has not yet totally priced the probability of uh, any kind of recession. And uh, we are uh, we are finding that we are not very well paid for the risk you are taking on some names. So we are more uh, cautious, selective. Uh, and, and the fact that the derivative market is uh, much more expensive than the cash market is also not a very good sign. So meaning... Some investors are trying to hedge themselves through, through uh, derivative indexes on credit uh, yield, while uh, the cash market uh, has not yet uh, repriced uh, fully uh, the new reality. So that's why we have a preference for sure for investment grade over high yield uh, on, gen- on a general basis. And uh, waiting for uh, uh, a deeper repricing. And Monica, what sort of filters are you looking at when you look across the credit landscape and think what might be a good pick? We look at the corporate fundamentals, starting from the um, balance sheet, their leverage, their potential to make revenue. So earnings, uh, as it is for the uh, equity side, are the uh, key primary uh, things we look at. So uh, quality and low leverage, I would say, are making the story on the on the credit side. One thing which is a very important consideration for investors and we haven't touched on yet is liquidity, especially given it ties in with that high volatility in fixed income that you were talking about earlier, Vincent. How should investors be thinking about this crucial issue? Maybe I'll put this question to you, Vincent. Yeah, uh, for sure, liquidity, as you may know, uh, has been of paramount importance for us for uh, years and years. And what is happening today in the market is even segments of the market which are supposed to be liquid can become very liquid in a, in a matter of minutes. And the guilt market, uh, the day it reached 5%, can be seen as an illiquid market that day. So it's something you need to uh, monitor and master. And ideally, of course, um, investors, uh, the worst case scenario is when you are forced to sell. Naturally, if you, are, if, if you are, do, do not master the timing of your exit. So that's why we like the buy and watch product, because buy and watch, you don't have this liquidity issue because you wait for the maturity. We like uh, as well open-ended funds where uh, the portfolio manager can choose to reallocate portfolio whenever he wants and when the market is here. Um, and that's why as well, we have a very strict and very dynamic uh, cash management policy and buffer of liquidity in the funds so in order for the portion manager and the funds to uh, weather all kind of storms for some weeks without being a forced seller 
Because if you're a first seller in a, in a market which is difficult, you can lose much more than the price which is uh, on the screen, finally. Because what matters is the price you actually, actually trade. And remember, during the COVID crisis, there were, uh, there were um, differences in prices up to 15, 1.5% between uh, the, the price supposedly on the screen and the real price of trading. So we have a long experience on this, and uh, our goal is always to, to, be, to be sure that we are, we never, are never a seller, uh, a forced seller, or we never fire sell anything. And it's a strong discipline to, to be implemented uh, across the board. So, uh, but uh, you are right, it's a, it's a dimension that all investors should factor in. And, uh, and beware what is liquid one day can become illiquid uh, easily. And the other way around, actually. Huh? There are things which are not that liquid, which can be uh, uh, easy to trade uh, on some occasions. So, uh, so it's a complex parameter to master. Thank you. And as you say, the, the weathering storm seems to be a very important factor these days, given how many storms are coming at us. Vincent, Monica, thank you very much, both of you, for joining us and laying all of that out so clearly. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for taking the time to listen to us today. We hope you'll join us again soon. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors, as defined in Directive 2004-39-EC, dated 21st of April 2004, on markets in financial instruments called MIFID, investment services providers, and any other professional of the financial industry. Views are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice on behalf of Amundi.